So a little bit more uh, input about the practice we're doing and this first way of establishing mindfulness within the body. This word mindfulness that we, we use so frequently is clearly a, it, it's not a one-dimensional word. It holds within it a, a number of different nuances. And I would like to say in the first two, day or two of a retreat, you will be primarily uh, cultivating two of the key uh, aspects of mindfulness. I'd like to say it's the first day or two of a retreat. It might be the first 10 or 15 years of your practice, actually. Um, the, the first of these nuances is, is this quality of, of simply knowing. I mean, that sounds simple, doesn't it? But to know the body as the body, to know the breathing as the breathing, to know a sound as a sound, to know a thought as a thought, to know a mood as a mood... It sounds, you know, prescriptive, it sounds simple, but actually this is actually the first really significant step people make in cultivating mindfulness because this is a step of uh, stepping out of the eye of the storm and establishing a relationship with present moment experience and knowing it without adding anything, without taking anything away but it's a clear first step in decentering or de-identifying, establishing a relationship. This is a great skill. It's a great skill. It's when, you know, as John mentioned yesterday, you know, to know the body as the body, to know the breathing as the breathing. The second, perhaps, really significant. Uh, quality held within this word mindfulness or practice held within this word mindfulness is sometimes referred to as protective awareness and this too you will be engaging in very wholeheartedly um, protective is very different than defensive defensive is much more about pushing away about not wanting protective awareness is actually really learning to care for the well-being of our own mind-heart in any moment. So what are we protecting? And this is what you teach, actually, your clients and students without actually naming it as such. I mean, you see when, you, when we be, have the intention to be present in the body, in the body breathing, as I mentioned last night, don't you just feel the pull of habit? You know, here's a juicy fantasy. You know, here's a good rumination passing through. You know, here's a very interesting obsession. You know, or maybe I'll just fall asleep. You know, or, you know, maybe I'll, I'll look forward to it. Don't you just feel the pull of habit? And you really see that the, the nature of that pull of habit, of course, is to undermine intention and to undermine attention. Okay? So when you know when you're teaching your clients or students, you know your instruction, of course, would be come back to the body, come back to the body. It's harder to give that instruction to ourselves. I might mention it's quite easy to give it to others, you know, but to give that to ourselves, oh, come back to the body, oh, come back to the body breathing. And what we're really doing is we know the habit patterns. That is actually part of this simple knowing. We know the habit patterns as they are, but we're not volunteering to participate. Instead, 
we're actually learning to come back to the intentionality we have set. Now, it's so interesting to see in our practice that intention and attention rise and fall together. We know this. You know, when intention disappears, attention disappears. When attention falters, intention falters. And these are the places where we get lost or we find ourselves immersed in the habit patterns which actually we'd rather not be immersed in. So learning to cultivate this protective awareness, which is actually really based in knowing, ah, ah, that's fantasy. Ah, you know, that's reverie. Oh, that's rehearsal. Simply knowing that and then not consenting. This is protective awareness. It's protecting the well-being of our mind, heart in any moment. And so we come back into the body and into the body breathing. In the early years of of my own practice, one of the lineages that I practiced in was actually the lineage who was pretty much the the grandparent of the body scan, Um, a Burmese lineage. It's a grandparent of the body scan as we know it today. There we would call it body sweeping. But So I spent a lot of time, actually, you know, a lot of time um, scanning the body, moving the attention up and down through the body because this was a primary practice. And it occurred to me at some time, and, and in, that, in that particular lineage, you know, you had markers of progress and you had goalposts, you know, and... You know, and I was pretty good at this stuff. You know, I ticked all the boxes. You know, I had everything that was supposed to be happening. Um, and then it occurred to me, I actually, I asked the question, what am I learning? What am I learning within, within this practice? You know, what is the learning that is actually really bringing about change? And I, th- I think this is really an important question to ask because this is actually what takes mindfulness out of just being a technique you know, that we resort to, to being a process of transformation is held within the learning. And the learning actually takes, you know, one of the other aspects of mindfulness, which is a little bit of investigation. So I began to explore this and and to really look at at the learnings because I, I actually was seeking for something more than just a kind of calm calmness. I actually would have really was looking in the path for some element of kind of lasting transformation. Um, So I began to examine this question of really what what am I learning within the body? Well one of the key learnings we know is how to make this shift from aversion to befriending. This is such a key learning and it's, it's a lesson for our lives isn't it? how to make this shift from aversion to befriending. And this is actually one of the ways in which mindfulness is certainly not qualitatively neutral. It has built in within it, if it is mindfulness, this cultivation of this attitude of caring, of a kindly curiosity, an affectionate curiosity. You know, in my experience in teaching the biggest shift that I ever see anyone make <coughs> is a shift from aversion to befriending. And I suspect you have seen this in yourself and in your clients. And that's a hard shift to make. This doesn't come easily to us, you know. 
to actually know aversion as it arises but not to actually feed it and to actually see is it possible to actually befriend in that moment that which we feel aversive to it is such a huge lesson for our lives certainly within the within the mindfulness of the body we really learn this lesson of movement from cognitive to somatic experience you know and we we're so aware that you know as human beings we are we are narrative based you know and you know we are storytellers and some of those stories can be quite useful and helpful and creative and many of them are very repetitive and they are certainly rooted in in a particular view particularly of the body you know because contemplation of the body is not something new to us in our lives is it been contemplating the body through our lives every time you get up in the morning and look in the mirror you know there's a moment of body contemplation you know every time you visit the doctor or you know and, and certainly as you age you do much more body contemplation um, you know sometimes aided and assisted by others um, but so often we have contemplated the body through the eyes of me my body with the whole story that is involved in that of the apprehensions, the fears, the anxieties. So here we're bringing in this simple knowing on an experiential level to know the body as the body. We begin actually to really acknowledge and learn that body is a process. You know, it's not a thing. The more intimate you are with the nature of this body, you see how it is consistently changing and fluid and it is not static and in a much of this teaching is concerned with really learning to move into process mode rather than object or thing mode and this we learn as we begin to contemplate the body what we learn too is that the body is as John mentioned or Chris mentioned always present moment experience you know, yesterday's migraine is truly gone. It's not actually present right now. You know? Next year's root canal has really not happened. You know? So every time we're coming back to this body, we actually are returning to this present moment experience. One of the big lessons we learn within mindfulness of the body is that we can choose what we attend to. You know, in this moment, I can choose to attend to the palm of my hand. Or I can choose to attend to the sensations in my knee. This sense of being captured, of our attention being captured, begins to lift. We don't feel so much a prisoner that it's, there's a certain inevitability about being captured by our moods or our thought patterns. We actually see we can relocate where we attend. And in doing that, we actually begin to learn to sustain this intentionality and to sustain this, this, our capacity to attend to that which serves us well, rather than unconsciously attending to that which actually doesn't really serve us that well. There's a tremendous freedom within that ability to choice. Um, we learn something about balance, don't we? I mean, when you teach and when you practice here, I'm sure you don't give the instruction, you know, hang out with the pleasant, you know, and just ignore the unpleasant, you know. Or, or you know, if the unpleasant arises, make sure you find something different, you know. We learn something about equality of attentiveness, but that takes a great deal of inner strength, actually, 
to have the, the willingness to, to be equally present with the difficult and with the lovely, with the pleasant and with the unpleasant. That takes quite a bit of inner development to do this. But this is one of the primary lessons of being mindful in the body. You know, when you teach or you practice, you don't say, oh, when you get to something interesting, just hang out there, you know, forget the rest of the body. And you say, ah, no, this too, this too, this too. Of course, one of the really key lessons we learn within mindfulness of the body is this capacity to sever the link between um, phenomena and the feeling tone of phenomena and the underlying patterns of reactivity. You know, we can meet the pleasant without clenching around it. You know, we can meet the unpleasant without clenching around it. We learn the difference between our story about what is going on and what is actually going on. This is a huge lesson because we do have a story about not only what is happening in the body, don't we just have a story about most things? You know, about who you are, about who I am, about who you know, the, 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 how the world is. Don't we just have a story about so many things? And, you know, there's a strange unwillingness in the human mind to be surprised. You know, I really, I really re- I'm invested in my story staying the same, you know, and, and not really wanting you to surprise me and tell me I'm not, that you're different than I think you are, <laughs> or that you're more than I think you are. I'm not always willing to be surprised by the changes within myself. So we're learning this key life lesson within the life of the body, you know, that my story of the body is not always the actuality of the body. So one of my early teachers said to me, they said, the story of your mother is not your mother. And this is, that struck me so deeply as something to apply through my life. You know, the story... I have of you is not who you are. The story I have of myself is unlikely to be to encompass the fullness of who I am or of who you are. It's a lot of training and unbinding in mindfulness of the body, you know, because we see the stickiness of our thoughts and the stickiness of our narratives, you know, and rather than increasing or feeding that stickiness, We learn to unbind and to return to the simple actuality of this body in this moment, this body breathing in this moment. So it's a huge training in in this, this unbinding that we've begun to speak about. We are always coming back from somewhere, you know? We're always returning to the body from somewhere. We learn actually to read a lot of our moods and a lot of our mental states within the landscape of the body. You know, we start to read, you know, the the body of sadness, or you know, the the body of agitation, you know, or or, or the body of, of of aversion, you know, or the body of gladness, the body of easefulness, you know, the body of calm. We start to learn to read many of our moods and emotional states within the landscape of the body. And this is a far more accessible way to touch that landscape rather than through explanation or story or interpretation. Ah, the body of sadness. Ah, what does this need? Ah, 
the body of dullness. Actually, what does this need? Ah, the body of agitation. Ah, what is helpful here? So we're beginning to learn that skillfulness of responsiveness because mindfulness of the body and mindfulness of the body breathing, please really be aware, this is more than just a passive watching. We could watch things for a long time without them necessarily changing at all or us being changed by that watching. It is far more moving into this experiential learning mode within this body. And of course, a great blessing is we don't have to try to have a body already here. You know, however it is, may not be the body you want, but it's the body that is here. And everybody holds within it the potentiality for the lessons and the learning that really do begin to free the mind. So as we develop the contemplations of uh, the different ways of establishing mindfulness, so important to recognize that it's, the body is not something we leave behind. It's not like this is kindergarten practice, you know, and then we're going on to the complex, complexity of mindfulness of mind. This is not kindergarten practice. It's both kindergarten and graduate school practice. And we actually never, ever leave the body behind because it is always our anchor to present moment experience. Now, in the the early teachings that John mentioned yesterday, the Satipatthana discourse, uh, the first of the instructions is breathing in, calming the formations. Breathing out, calming the formations, which doesn't actually seem to make a lot of sense to most people. But it's actually breathing in, calming the patterns. Breathing out, calming the patterns. So again, this is not just about watching the breath. There's an intentionality and a direction here about breathing in and calming anything that is agitated. Anything that is agitated. And there's a lot that can be agitated, isn't there? Aversion is a kind of agitation, you know? Restlessness, you know, even dullness is a kind of agitation. So we're breathing in, calming the, calming the patterns, breathing out, calming the patterns. And then, of course, this first piece of mindfulness of the body is the hugest piece in this whole discourse. And then the Buddha clearly recognized that, you know, when we are disconnected, dissociated from the body, we are often very, very lost. So he really gave this emphasis to actually come back to know the body, to know the body, and actually to learn the important lessons within the body. So we stay within that context in terms of our practice of the body and the body breathing, the body walking, the body standing, the body sitting, the body lying down, really establishing that sustained intentionality and that sustained attention, which is the gateway both to stillness and to learning. Of course, there are many ways of being mindful of the body and establishing mindfulness of the body. When we begin a sitting, we're mindful of the body sitting, the postural aspect, as John said, you know, to know what it feels like to sit. Sometimes we're aware of the contact points in the body, where we touch the ground, where, you know, where where we touch the cushion or the chair, Sometimes in the walking practice, we're aware of the body because our sense doors are part of the body, how we're seeing, how we're listening, what it feels like to move. 
Sometimes we're aware of the whole body and we're aware of the changes that are taking place within the domains of sensations arising and passing and being there equally. But we begin to establish this, this ground. As, and as I mentioned, these dimensions of simply knowing and protective awareness, we, it is worth spending, investing the time and the effort to actually really develop these capacities in ourselves. It's not difficult to have intentions. It's far more challenging to sustain those intentions in any area of our life. Um, it's not difficult to have it attention. This is simply part of psychological makeup. It's far more difficult to sustain qualities of attentiveness that really serve us well. So let's take some moments to, to settle and to sit. <clears throat> Taking our seat within a mindful awareness, intentional awareness, finding a posture of alertness and balance, but also a softness within that, softening the shoulders, the face, the abdomen. an easeful wakefulness. that awareness of the body sitting, touching the ground, alive, process of changing sensations, Mindful of the body, sitting, sensing, listening, and the body breathing, sensing that from within, this process of breaths beginning, breaths ending. In-breaths turning to out-breaths. And the body responding.
as we practice this more conscious, caring, compassionate embodiment. It can be so helpful to (coughs) give attention to our contact with ground. uh, Our contemporary society, our kind of anxious hearts and minds tend to send us up. We talk about speeding up. And a retreat is such a rare and precious opportunity to slow down, to have a sense of coming back down into embodied life. And grounding is kind of foundational in that. Really listening to, being interested in, sensitive to those kind of pads of pressure that we call feet or seat. Dwelling in that contact. And it does seem as if this is the most effective way to support these kind of energy and nervous systems of of body to (coughs) discharge the patterns of activation or to, as Christina quoted the Buddha, calming the formations. Without enough sense of ground, the formations just continue to circulate like kind of electric currents in our system. At least that's something to kind of explore. <clears throat> and the walking period, or perhaps to, to name it the standing and walking period, because the moments of standing are quite as important, valuable opportunities for this kind of discharging and collecting. It's, it's really precious, these walking periods. Something about standing, grounding, and about moving seems helpful in kind of metabolizing the charges and formations that inevitably accumulate in our energy and nervous systems through daily life. But to have that sense of slowing down and coming down, back into embodiment, this is really, um, really supportive of gradually recollecting ourselves. And Foreground, background can be a helpful way to play with body awareness when standing and walking. So it might be that the foreground is the contact of the soles of the feet with 
earth. But keeping the sense close by of the whole body as, as the context for that foreground. In the phrase in the sutta just before, the Buddha says, calming, you know, breathing in, calming the formations, breathing out, calming the formations. He says, breathing in, sensitive to the entire body. Breathing out, sensitive to the entire body. And in his teaching on mindfulness of the body, the, the Buddha describes this whole body awareness as protective. To, to pick up that kind of orientation that Christina mentioned. And filling the whole body with a sensitive, kind awareness. Kind of, the Buddha compares it in one image to like filling a jug with water. If the jug is filled with water, then Mara can't get in, is the image he gives us. You know? It's partly why the kind of body scan can be protective. So just to play with that, as you do the standing and walking practice, the slowing down practice, the grounding practice, to to have that sense of, okay, can I soak the whole body in awareness as the kind of close-by background that supports the foreground of feet, soles of the feet. And sense how that really supports a more full dwelling here, now. And you know, just just to acknowledge that, that this doesn't need to start when we get to the walking path. <laughs> the whole process of moving from sitting to standing to going outside. It is a kind of rewilding as well. You know, where where we come more to dwell in the organic life of the body and sense how that connects us with nature, garden, the kind of glorious richness of the natural world that is here. Something to enjoy. <laughs>